We get tons of mail from you, our audience, and we're really grateful. So this week, we decided to do a show that would answer your questions. Today's roundtable is called We've Got Mail. Get it? You old heads know what I'm talking about. So pot up, because Two Black Guys With Good Credit is coming at you with We've Got Mail. Welcome back to Two Black Guys With Good Credit. Today, we're doing things a little differently. We're doing a roundtable. Our round tables are fast and furious, and today Dion will be asking the questions. Yes, that's Dion, the lady with the, the stats and the cold hard facts, is taking control. She's asking the questions, and Big Sean and I will be chopping it up and keeping it moving. And with that, Dion, I pass you the mic. Thank you, sir. I've been dying for this. It's been a while. Don't take All my right. job. Don't take my job. My kids need the money. <laughs> Okay, let's get it going. Got lots of mail to get through. And the first one is from Peter from Queens. He asks, currently I'm focusing on learning more about how to balance personal finances with brand finances. I know this is something you've done at Nicknat Direct, Sean, for the past few years. And I was wondering what insight you can provide. Well, wait, Sean did that? <laughs> I will survive. Hey, <laughs> you know, my survival <laughs> approach may not be everybody's survival approach, but I'll tell you, you know, I, I try to live long and rather than live short. So what I, what, how I've done it my way is that I do not let my expenses get too far ahead of me, meaning that I try to pay off my expenses in that current period or current month. So what, I, what my business can afford is what it gets. Now, the, the downside to this, some may say, is that you know, I may have my billion, my business could have been 10 times more than what it's worth if I would have done some extensive marketing initiatives and put thousands, a hundred thousand dollars into my business and look to pay it off over time. Yes, that could be true, but also I could have, my business could have taken a big loss as well because maybe the marketing initiative I wanted to do didn't work out as well. So I try to do small little marketing initiatives and just grow my business slowly. And on the personal side, what I do is I try to expense everything on my credit cards. And every month I, I go over that credit card statement with a fine tooth comb and look for ways where I call opportunities, ways in which I can reduce certain expenses where I'm overexpending too many lattes at Starbucks or, you know, that kind of thing. Find ways in which I can cut my expenses down and always work towards. It. I look at it as a game, as a challenge, and I don't commingle or mix the two. My business pays for my business, and then I allow myself, then I pay myself a salary from my business to cover my expenses. I think that's the key. Arlington, anything to add there? Yeah, I think Sean took the long way around the block to get to what I think was the point of the question, which <laughs> is how do you separate your personal finances from your business finances? Bridget, or, just the, separate as the team. Peter said, just separate your brand finances. Like you said at the very end, it's about not commingling funds, and that's where most small businesses go wrong. You need to set up a personal account that takes care of your personal life. And that account works off of the money you pay yourself. So you pay yourself, you put it in that account, you pay your expenses, your living expenses out of that account. Your business has a business account. And the money that lives in your business account is to pay the expenses of your business. What that means is you don't take your business money and write a check for your mortgage or your home rent or a pair of Nikes or whatever. That's called commingling funds. And what most people don't realize is when you set up a business as an incorporation, when you commingle funds, you have what's called pierce the corporate veil, meaning 
you no longer have a corporation. So if you find yourself in a sticky mess and you're looking for the shield of your corporation, you won't have it because the commingling of the funds has just turned the business into, in effect, a DBA. Wow. Doing business well, guys. Dropping, dropping gems here. Boom. Going on to number two. This is from Chantal in Brooklyn. She asks, I found your podcast recently. I love the content and you guys as the host. They are educating and entertaining. I'm about to purchase and move into a two-unit home. Congratulations, Chantal. I am planning to live in the bottom unit and rent the top unit. Way to go. This is my first home and first time being a landlord. What do I need to know to get started and do it right? What's the best way to find a tenant and what should be considered when selecting a realtor? So this is a multi-pronged question. I'll start with Sean Linda. You may want to jump in here, Arlington. Okay, so my suggestion is, first of all, as Dion, as Dion just mentioned, congratulations to you. You've started a good thing. And I like that you're making the sacrifice to live in the bottom apartment and rent the top. So what, what I would recommend that, you know, now that you're going to become a landlord, and more importantly, this tenant of yours is going to be really sharing your space by living in the same building as you, you really want to take your time and pick the right tenant. So one of the key, one of the most, the, to me, the most important indicator to me is credit score, because it says a lot. If somebody has a high credit score, that means, and they've been, and the credit score has stayed high for a long period of time, that means they're responsible, they pay their bills on time, and most, and most likely they're going to be mature in most cases. I would suggest stay away from friend recommendations with people that have bad credit you know if someone says oh rent this is i know this is a good girl she's had a little problem or he's had a little problem but give them a chance stay far away from those and to be honest with you i don't even like to rent to people that i have a relationship with or that i know i try to keep it really professional and business-like so i would even recommend finding somebody that you don't have a relationship with because when it's time to kick them out there's no personal feeling to it and one of the places, if you do want to... Wow, so much for it takes a village. If you do want to um, <laughs> find a tenant yourself and don't use a realtor, then I would suggest you can run their credit, check their credit score, check their history. I, I always, I love rentalauthority.com. And I really list... I, Wait a second. Can I just cut you off for a minute? Sure. How does she check someone else's credit? You, rentalauthority.com allows you to... Um, check somebody's credit as a landlord. You can put in, they'll give you, you, you there's an um, application they fill out, you give them, it gives them their tax ID, right. their date of birth, and a little personal questions, and then you, you put that in, I think you pay twenty four ninety five, and it gives you a detailed report of their credit and score. Cool. And then also, cool, I cool, usually cool. list tenants on Craigslist, and a lot of realtors use that. You know, Craigslist will give you, um, it gives me a pool of tenants, especially in Brooklyn. I think you said you bought in Brooklyn. So, yeah, Craigslist works for me. But if you want to go the realtor route, which is not a bad route as a first-time buyer as well, you know, try to find a realtor that's in your neighborhood and that knows your neighborhood well. And make sure that although the realtor is going to send you people, you don't tr put your tr complete trust in the realtor recommending people. You still ask for the um, a package of that client, potential tenant, meaning ask them to provide you with references, credit scores, and that sort of thing. You have, you look through the reference as well as a realtor, and then you make that decision. Because remember, the realtor is commission-based, so he just really wants to get his commission at the end of the day. All right. Well, thank you for that very thorough response, Sean Linda. All I, I think you got that one, so I want to keep it going here. Next question. Hello, my name is Gina, and my husband and I are looking to buy a home in North Carolina. And we were approved for a 0% 15-month credit card offer for $20,000. We are considering using 10000 of it for our down payment. Do you recommend this? This is an interesting one. 
Arlington. I love this question. And I think if uh, Gina goes back and looks at our uh, the credit hack show, there's a hack for that. She'll see that um, the guest that we had on that show, he was a wizard of you at using credit cards in exactly this manner. And I think it's a great idea. If you have the $10,000, you're not putting up your money, you're putting up the bank's money, you can keep your money for something else. But just make sure you have a strategy to repay that money back before the time comes to an end, because you don't want to borrow the money and then have to incur a bevy of interest rate fees because you didn't pay it back in time. Short, sweet, I'm out. Sean, what you got? Yeah, I'm agreeing with Arlington. The key thing is if you're responsible, then yes, do it. Because you don't want to be stuck 15 months down the road with this huge credit card debt and then mortgage payments. And then just check your finances to see if your current income allows you, if you have the room in your current income to make that monthly payment to pay down that credit card. And if you do that, then like Arlington says, it's a win-win because your $10,000 stays in the bank and you've really done what rich the rich people do use other people's money to make money so i say yes go for it if you know you are responsible other people's money to make money all right next question is from dan from kansas city he said i have a small plumbing business for the last four years i currently keep my tools in my family minivan however my wife is becoming annoyed with all the tools i'm considering getting a company van i've seen used vans that i like for about 10k I've also seen new vans that I can lease for around $280 a month. What would you suggest? I'll take this one. Dan, if your wife doesn't see your vision, your goal in life, your dream in life for this truck, <laughs> dump the wife. <laughs> Find the next one. That's my recommendation. <laughs> Let she go. No, 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 no. Work it out, Dan. Work it out. I'm just playing with you, Dan. Uh, on a serious note, Dan, um, to me, I'm a fan of leasing cars because you can write off the lease payment. 100% can be written off. Okay, and then also, you know, I always feel like a secondhand car is buying somebody else's problems. At least that you know your your car is your truck's gonna have a warranty. So if there's any problems with it, it'll get repaired and get fixed free. So that repair expense line, there will be no repair expense for the most part. You'll just be changing the oil, and that's it. And you can really just focus on growing your business, not worry about maybe having future car problems. So I like it for that reason. That um, the lease, I would I would more look lean toward the side of the lease payment. Is that it? That's all you got? You guys are telling me to shorten it up. I told Dan to leave his wife and lease a car. All right, this is what I'm going to say to this one. (laughs) Rim it out. (laughs) Trick it out. (laughs) I would say, Dan, both sides of these equations, this equation can be pretty tempting. If you lease a car, well, you don't have to come up with a big down payment, and you could spread the payments out over the period of your lease. You don't have to deal with the expenses as much because it's not your car. So anything goes wrong, like Sean said, you could take it back. But what Sean didn't mention is if you lease the car, you're only going to be able to drive it so many miles per year. So if you have a business, you don't want to be like, I leased a car that I can't drive to go service a customer because I'm now over my miles. So I would keep that in mind. On the flip side, if you put on the put down the 10K, you can drive the crap out of the car till the wheels fall off and handle your business, grow your business. And, you know, do what you want with the car. You're going to have to deal with expenses, but it's a company car, so you're going to write that off anyways, just like you would a lease. So to me, it's really about the limitations of mileage. Yeah, I would agree with you. If if, if you know you're going long distances with the van, then I would say, like Arlington says, be more inclined to buy. Inclined to buy. But if you know you're going to be limited driving in small distances, or you can work out with the real the dealer, uh, a high allowance of, of miles, then I would then I would go for leasing. I think Arlington the most you're going to get is fifteen thousand. Most you're going to get. 
I'm the king of on a lease. The most you're gonna get is like fifteen thousand. Because after that, they charge you a crazy amount of fees because they don't want the car coming back. With over 50,000 miles on, on Just negotiate the leasing and do the math and figure out average how many miles you need a day and don't let Arlington tunnel vision you, okay? That's my recommendation. It's all about the miles. Dion, can you chime oh, in next? All right. Before this guy Dion, starts again. Did he just oh. jump on my side of the fence? It's all about the miles after he was telling the poor man to leave his wife. <laughs> now he's like, I heard uh, it. We heard it. We all heard it. Yeah, now he's like, uh, you know, Dan, it's all about the miles. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Yes. Uh, Charles from Philly. He writes, my money. Damn, we got guests from all over the place. We got an audience. Philly, Kansas City, Carolina. Brooklyn. (laughs) So he says, my money just does not seem to add up at the end of the month. I have never made a budget before. How do I do that? And could a budget help me out? Sean, you are the king of the budget. Well, I will let you go I first. I know you're going to laugh, and I'll let my audience know a secret. I have had, I'm proud to say, I've had this Excel spreadsheet that lists all my expenses, and I've had this Excel spreadsheet since 2001, and it's been with me ever since. If I ever lose it, I would cry. And it's really, I know there's a lot of apps that you could use, which I'm not saying not to use, like to, to do your budgeting, but for me, it's very simple. Every month I list my expenses. They're in black font. When I pay them, I click to write red font. And when they're finished, when the check is cash and clear, I click it to blue font. And every month I put all, every time I get a bill, I put it in a certain bucket, a certain pile. Or, or when I have time, I can log it on my Excel spreadsheet. And then at the beginning of every month, I take that pile out and I input it into my spreadsheet. And I look at my expenses. I look at my expenses and I figure out my strategy given for that given month. And now there's software out there that can help you do that, QuickBooks and so forth. I actually have a few to, I actually have a few to give you after um after you wrap up. I'll definitely give them a few. I have like a, a a top 5. It's about really staying on top of it and and like not being intimidated by not being intimidated. The point of the matter is not being intimidated by your budget, by your expenses and look at it as as being trying to be strategic every month and and have a game plan, have a plan of execution. And once you do that, I think you'll you'll farewell budgeting and like know that recording your expenses is important. It's important because you'll see opportunities and ways in which you can save. Arlington, anything to add? No, he really kind of tapped it in. Let's go to the next question. All right. Well, so what I will add is this: there are actually five top. Um, there's a few lists, but these seem to be the ones that uh, hit the top of the list in terms of software for budgeting. Mm-hmm. You need a budget. Have you heard of this one? also known as YNAB, YNAB. This one is extremely popular. Basically, say it actually has a cult following. It's about $50 a year. It's web-based. Um, you can even have multiple users. You can share it. Nice. Number two is envelopes. So remember back in the day, you used to put your money in different envelopes, one for the groceries, one, and then when that money no. would finish. No? Okay. No. Well, anyways, no. for those who do, now there's a, there's a digital version of that. Called envelopes. Dion, I thought the uh, Excel document was dated. You went back to ancient. envelopes. <laughs> <laughs> but the idea is, you can't borrow from the grocery envelope to pay the rent envelope. You see what I'm saying? When the money's I gone, it's you, gone. Where do you store your? But envelopes. in the digital world, it'll it'll alert you when the envelope's almost almost um, depleted. The other one's Quicken. We all know Quicken. It's been around forever. Um, that also it'll cost you forty to one hundred twenty dollars. Uh, Mint is another really good one. 
Yeah, we've in talked a sense, about that similar, one before. Yeah, yeah, similar. <laughs> yeah. It's actually it was it's owned by Intuit, which owned Quicken, uh, so they have very similar features. Mm-hmm. Um, but the nice thing about Mint, it's free, so that's a perk. That's and good. then there's another one called Countabout, also browser-based um, type of software. But yeah, there's tons more, but there's a lot of you know options out there for you. Cool. Number six. My name is Bruce, and I am from Portland, Oregon. I am 30 years old and single with no kids. Should I buy life insurance now since the price is pretty cheap? Or is the whole thing, the life insurance thing, a scam? Arlington, thoughts? I am torn when it comes to life insurance. As you know, we did a whole show on life insurance called Get a Life. So number one, I would recommend that for a very thorough understanding of life insurance. But I'm torn. Why? Because life insurance to me, on one hand, it's a scam. And then on the other hand, it's a safety net. You buy life insurance, you're 30. So you have no kids. You're going to get it pretty cheaply. It's a good thing. If you end up keeling over between now and 65, you know, you'll have money to give to the family you may have to the children you may have, to the wife you may have. On the other side, life insurance as you get older, when you really need it and really need that coverage, it gets really expensive. When you hit the 65-year-old mark, when you're more likely to kick the bucket, your premiums jump up three, four, five hundred percent, and it gets really expensive. So most people drop the policies when they're when they're most close to death. So I sometimes think it's a bit of a scam because Your life expectancy nowadays is, for a male, it's about 77, 78 years. Your life insurance is still only good up to 65. Women, it's like 82 years old. And, you know, the fact is you don't have any dependents. Right now might not be the time to start that. Maybe you could put the money into something else. That's kind of my feeling on life insurance. Uh, My feelings are similar. It's an insurance. You know, the key word is an insurance. If something were to happen, you know, would your loved ones be taken care of? It's about, it's called life insurance so if loss of life there will be an insurance rewarded so if you have no dependents then i don't see the point of having the insurance i say just put some money aside for your funeral expense if you want to be nice so your parents or your your auntie or your brother or sister don't have to pay for your funeral expenses until you have dependents when you have dependents then i would recommend yes get some life insurance so you give something to the next generation but during the time when you're single and young and no kids i would say Put some money away for your funeral. You could always put the money into an equity or something that's going to bear fruit over time so that when you do get to 65, you actually have hard physical cash instead of just getting away from your insurance company. Hey, you survived. You didn't die. And you'll be honest with you, my personal experience with my two kids, I have enough insurance just to cover like my cover their education and a little bit expenses. I don't have like a multi-million dollar life insurance for my kids. Sorry, kids. But I have a few hundred thousand for them just to put them over the top. And then I'm hoping my assets will carry them forward, like my real estate and so forth. So they don't have to dip into that um, to, to cover their schooling or any little expenses they may have moving forward. But I'm hoping that um, my real estate will then get them to the next level, Does that, if that makes sense. Makes sense. All right. Well, there you have it. Let's just keep it locked. Two Black Guys with Good Credit, we are answering your questions. Keep it locked. Two Black Guys with Good Credit, you've got mail. We'll be back in a flash. 
Thanks, Arlington. Creating career opportunities for yourself is easier than you think. The workplace is changing fast, and BlackFreelance.com will help you build a flexible and profitable freelance business that will change your life. Freelancers around the world are out-earning and out-enjoying their employed counterparts in skill sets like writing, web development, accounting, legal work, and more. You can do the same at BlackFreelance.com, the community-based platform focused on meeting your needs as a black, independent professional. Organizations of all sizes, from local nonprofits to global Fortune 500 companies, are ready and excited to work with independent professionals like you. Whether you want to earn extra money towards retirement or reinvent your career, make that change today at BlackFreelance.com. Welcome back to Two Black Guys with Good Credit. We are talking, we've got mail. We've got your mail. You have been emailing us. You've been texting us. You've been stopping by our homes, our offices. (laughs) Can I just ask you a quick question? Aren't you one of two black guys with good credit? So this show is dedicated to you. I've been stopping my yoga moves and coming up. People ask me when I'm in my yoga position. Sean, what is your favorite yoga move? Downward oh, facing dog, downward facing dog. Oh, I'm a downward facing dog. I know. Why do I see people... Sean just sitting in the back of the class doing happy baby all day? <laughs> <laughs> all right. With that, because I'm trying to clear that white wall, let's pass it on to Dion. Dion, please take back control of this show. Okay, I'm on it. All right. So we got Larry from Jersey said, is the bond market important as a part of my financial future long term? Arlington, oh, what you got? All right, I'm going to answer this. Listen, man, these are important the staples of the fine you, of your financial Just so everybody knows, portfolio. this dude has an obsession with bonds. I don't know what it is. Because bonds are a key part of a healthy financial portfolio. Now, to keep it simple, I'm really going to try and keep this simple because bonds are pretty complicated. There are different types of bonds. There are municipal bonds which are from the local level, the state. There are treasury bonds that come from the government. There are corporate bonds that come from companies. And then there are agency bonds, which are specific bonds that may come from either a corporation or a government agency. So the deal with bonds is as interest goes up, your bond price goes down, and it works in the opposite. The key to bonds is that some bonds are non-taxable when you try and um, leverage the bond. Some bonds are. The municipal and treasury bonds tend to be more non-taxable, but you have to check state to state. But the corporate bonds tend to have taxes. So when you're ready to cash in your bond, the government's ready to take their piece of your game. The thing with bonds is they are more secure. They're not as volatile as being in the open market. And sometimes they're even grouped together to form a group of bonds, kind of like a mutual fund. So the bottom line is if you're not too risky If you don't really want to be out there risking your money going up and down and having volatility, bonds are a good thing for you. But really check into it because it's 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 tricky. I'm just going to add one thing. I'm going to add one thing to Arlington's point. Um, You know, the great thing about bonds are they're rated from AAA bonds all the way down to junk bonds. So if you want to add something conservative into your portfolio and you don't want to do you want to assume much risk. You can kind of look at AAA bonds, and those people basically that what that says as a AAA bondholder is that this person that you're lending money or this company that you're lending money has a strong likelihood that they will pay you back. Now, will the returns be high? They won't be that high, but it'll be enough to keep your your portfolio in a positive light. So, I would just say if you know it's a good if I would look at low risk bonds, AAA rated AAA rated bonds, and you get that slow growth, slow and steady. And just to give you a little a little fact, uh, I got a little itch. Uh, if we if we look all the way back to 1926, um, mm-hmm. 
Government bonds, their returns have been averaging about 5 to 6%. Not bad, right? That's according to an investment right. researcher at steady. Morningstar. We're steady. Yeah, it's steady. All right, moving on. Moving on. Um, you guys, that would be you guys, uh, the two black guys. You always say your money is your money. This is coming, coming from Kendall. Kendall from Ottawa, Ontario. Wait, is that Kendall says, Jenner? <laughs> It, I, I don't know. Is he in Ottawa? Um, but he said, you guys she, always say money is your money and it's the game of life. People want people, wants versus needs. What does that actually mean? Yeah, Sean, explain your tagline. What the hell is that You guys mean? do say that a lot. Your money is your money is, and just so everybody knows, I am the original, original dandada of that line. I don't want anybody else using my line, using my line without written a confirmation from me, Sean Linda. Your money is your money is what means that respect your wallet. Don't be loose with your money. Don't be careless and free for and like a free for all with your money. Respect your money, spend it wisely, and invest it wisely because it's your money and you worked hard for it. Simple. Absolutely. Absolutely. You should change well it to said. You should change it to respect your wallet. <laughs> respect, respect your respect wallet. Respect your wallet, brethren. All right, my tagline is. <laughs> I always laugh through this. It's the game of life. It's wants versus needs. And what I mean by that is you can't have everything. Too many people out here think they can have it all. I have a little bit of money and I want to have this and I want to have that. And they don't really separate their wants from their needs. They're the things you need and the things you want. You need food. You want Jordans. You need to pay rent because you need a place to have, to have a shelter over your head. You want new a new leather jacket. So it's just about learning to make that sacrifice and to understand what's a real need versus a want, because that's going to be the key to your financial future. I will say, um, if we want to stay in, in the black, right? We got to, you know, make more than we spend. So very good point. Um, number nine, what is, what is one financial decision? It's a good one, actually. So this came from Sarah. She's out in New Hampshire. And she says, what is one financial decision your current self would tell your younger self to do that you didn't do when you were younger? I'll take this. Hang up All on right. Sean. Oh, jeez. <laughs> All right. No, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. What my, my current youthful self would have told my even younger self oh, gosh. is <laughs> to get into the stock market, to really get into the stock market. I think for too long... The fear of loss, the uncertainty of full understanding kept me out of the market. And the stock market and real estate are the two places you're going to grow your money. So get into the market. Don't be intimidated. Don't be afraid. You might lose some, but you're going to learn along the way. And in the long run, you're going to come out ahead. Because Arlington, what do they say? It's not time Scared. in the market. It's time in, in the, market. the market, yes. So and time would have money. been on your side. Yes, Love and it. scared money don't make money. That's right. Sean Linda, what do you got to say? I would say, I would tell my younger self, first of all, get off your high horse. I would tell my cocky younger self. And I would say one of the things that people don't understand, the most important thing, like we just said, is more important than money is time. And when you're younger, you have so much time ahead of you. And believe it or not, you young people, you will be old one day. All right. So what I would have done, what I should have done for my first day of work, for my first paper route, do automatic debit withdrawals that, that invest into a mutual fund, something a small return, but steady growth. 
and I and then just oh money was that even plausible when you had a paper route to do an automatic <laughs> debit withdrawal <laughs> into a mutual fund? What are you talking about? <laughs> even if it even if it's fifty dollars a month, just something consistent. I don't even think about it. It's going on for years, and it's just comp- piling up. You know what I'm saying? Piling up. It's long, steady growth. Very nice, gentlemen. Uh, number ten. Uh, this is a business question from Natalie. Natalie's writing us from... Is that my sister? <laughs> this young lady's in Florida. She's in Tampa. She bugged me about everything else. Probably she didn't write it. Okay. okay. No, no. She's, this, lady's in, this young lady's in Tampa. And she said, when considering going into business for myself, what are some key questions I need to ask and have answers for? So to my two entrepreneurs, I'll tell you take the floor here. Some of the key questions. Is the business viable? Do I have the money to fund this business. Can I run this business for the next six months off of the funds I have in my account presently? Is my location most advantageous to this business? Because anyone will tell you location, location, location. And four, since you're most likely going to be leasing, am I getting a fair market price on my lease? Because you can jump into a lease that will sink your business because your rent expense greatly out exceeds the amount of money you're bringing in. And the other last and most important thing is be real with yourself. Everyone thinks they're going to launch a business and be a millionaire in two days and they don't need any funding because the minute they open, their store is going to be busy. Their phone's going to be ringing off the hook. And that's not the reality. Keep it real with yourself. Well, love it. I tend to agree with you in those things. And I would just, I would just add is that, you know, they say an idea is only worth the paper that it's written on. So make sure that your idea is well planned out and make sure that you can see cash flows, future cash flow. The most important thing I would say to people that are starting a small business, if you can't manage money, then stay the hell out of Dodge. Because successful small business people know how to manage money. And all small business, I don't care what you're doing from selling widgets to selling airplanes, you have to know how to balance and sell cash flow. We get tons of credit questions. You notice that very Dion? important, very very it's important. I wouldn't say questions. stay at a dodge, but just make sure that you know either you have a, a real dream team to help you do that, um, but you ha- you need to learn how to manage your your expenses. Absolutely, um, and one more to go here, guys. And I think this one you'll find really interesting, Sean. It's a credit question. So this is John John James. It looks like from Las Vegas, Nevada. He said. What if I have a big purchase coming up and want to get a lower interest rate on my credit card account? Is that possible? I have a trick for you, John. I just used it. Don't let the credit card companies know. So I had this MasterCard, and there was a $30,000 limit on this card, and I paid it all off. And I really had no more use for the card, but the card came with like a $495 annual fee. So I said, well, I'm not going to use this card, but I don't want to close out the card. So what I was able to do, I called my credit card company and I said, I no longer want this particular card. What other cards do you offer? Because remember, the most time they offer a number of cards. So they gave me a list of other cards they offer. And I said, what are the deals or rates behind these cards? And one of the cards they offered had a 0% interest rate for 18 months and there was no annual fee. So I basically just changed from one MasterCard to another type of MasterCard. And that way I was able to lower my rate, get a teaser rate, and then avoid the annual fee. So within whoever you've issued your credit, your issuer, your credit card issue, just find out if they have other cards that they offer. And most times you can switch cards. 
You can most nice. like, more than likely downgrade, but you know, an upgrade maybe depending on your current credit status. That's slick, Sean. Arlington, anything to add? Slick Rick is what they call me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm good. I think that was pretty Ricky, but anyways, aren't you good? I'm good. I'm good. You can't handle that one, man. Come on, man. That's that's science. <laughs> All right, so that's it for this. We'll be back with two black guys with good credit. We got the speed round coming up. Hopefully, we've answered all your questions and you've learned a few things, taken some notes. Two black guys with good credit. We've got mail. Keep the questions coming. Matt? Thanks, Arlington. This sponsorship break is brought to you by Clean. Clean is a financial literacy program designed to educate youth in a fun and interactive way through class lessons, workshops, and web seminars. To bring it to a school or organization near you, please visit www.financiallyclean.com. Welcome back to Two Black Guys with Good Credit. We are still here answering your questions. We've got mail, people. That's what this show is about. It's your mail. And we're giving you the answers. And with that, Dion, this is the speed round. I am going to mop Sean up. Aren't I like two out of three (laughs) for winning the speed (laughs) round? If I'm not mistaken. Uh, All right, guys. Everybody wants to take down Big Sean. (laughs) 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 Maybe not today, right, Sean? I'm going to switch it up. So the battle begins. One minute answers. Please keep them short, sweet, and to the point. The host with the best answers will win the round. You guys ready? That's usually me. Yep, I'm ready. All right, all questions provided by our fans of two black guys with good credit. Let's go. We got Lucy. I have a credit card on my report that has no balance and a few cards with high balances. Doing a debt consolidation, will it increase or decrease my credit score? Lucy, I think if you do a debt consolidation, yes, it will decrease your credit score. I would consider doing a balance transfer to lower interest rated cards in your portfolio of cards. Nice. Sean Linda. I would say, I agree with Arlen, in this case, for your scenario, it would lower your credit score, but I would suggest doing a closed loan, meaning going to your bank and putting all those high credit cards onto one consolidated loan with one fixed monthly payment, unless you can find a zero interest teaser rate. All right. So you guys seem to be in alignment. Number two. Troy, I am selling my house and the buyer offered to pay the down payment with Bitcoin. Ah, what are your thoughts? Sean. I'm saying, well, this is, a, you're speculating the market. I would say, depending on what he's going to give you that Bitcoin at, I would consider doing it. But if you wanted to protect yourself, really? you could throw in a clause and say at the end, you're only going <laughs> to... So he has to give you the amount of Bitcoins at the current market value on your closing day. Because remember, your closing could take up to 60 to 90 days in some cases. And you don't want the, the coin to actually lose value. And then you wind up your down payment is less than what you thought it would be. But on the upside, it could actually go up. But if you want to hedge yourself, protect yourself, time, you can put a time. clause in and say at closing at the value of the coin. That's it. Point taken. Arlington. Didn't he go over the time? I want reciprocity here. This got to be not, fair and impartial. Believe it or not, he did not. Believe it or not, he didn't. Oh, jeez. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll keep my answer simple. Hell no. Oh, my God. I've seen so Bitcoin horrible. go from 11000 at breakfast to 7000 <laughs> at dinner. I don't know what Sean's talking about. It could take six to nine months, and you need to put an appropriate equivalent from the minute he transferred you the money and you walked to the bank, your Bitcoin could have gone up or down. But what if it goes Hell up? No. Then you've doubled, you've gotten more for your house than what you thought you would get. Yo, I don't know about you, player, but I am Moving not Moving on, risking. folks. Moving on. From Bitcoin to cre- more credit card questions. It's Jack. He says, I want to use my credit cards, 
But I get scared, I'm racking up miles, but I get scared, I'm racking up miles and high interest rates on the debt accumulated because I'm not able to pay it all off every month. Gentlemen, I'm gonna pass this to Arlington first. Listen, man, Jackie, do not be afraid of debt. Do you know how many companies out here are debt financed? It always seems like the middle class and the working class, we're debt afraid and millionaires are out there racking it up and if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Debt is a part of life. What you gotta make sure is that you're managing that debt. Don't let your debt spiral out of control. I'm not advocating that, but don't be afraid of debt. Scared money doesn't make money. Manage your debt. Got it. Sean Linda. Jackie Arlington, obviously, as he usually does, missed your whole question of what you're really trying to address. I would say <laughs> if your credit, if your interest rate that you're paying is more than expensive than what it would cost you for airplane tickets, then the miles that you're accumulating, or then I would say, yeah, you're right. You know, pay off those high credit cards and don't run any balances because the reward points that you're getting doesn't outweigh the cost, the interest rate that you would be paying. Very practical advice there, Sean. Love it. Moving on. Uh, we you have, have Kevin. That practical advice. You need to listen, <laughs> brethren. So these are Hey, 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 hey. It's a speed listen. round, people. Speed round. Kevin, am I financially crazy because I don't want to buy a house? Oh, Lord. Oh, God. Arlington. Oh, God. Oh, oh God. Go. You got to throw this to Sean first. <laughs> Mr. You got to buy a house. Yes, you're crazy. Here, John. You're crazy. I, I always believe leaving real estate is more is better than leaving money for the next generation because that real estate, even if you overpaid for that house, guess what? When they get it free of debt, when they get it free, you're, that you're, people that you're leaving for have underpaid for that property. So don't live a selfish life and accumulate real estate. Yes. Arlington? No, Kevin, you are not crazy. As we've proven in previous shows, oh, the market go. outperforms housing over time always. What about the, the next rate of a home the rate of a home increases along the lines of the rate of inflation. Sean just happens to be living in Brooklyn, which has a housing explosion, so he thinks the whole world is Fort Greene, Brooklyn. No, put your money in the market. It's okay. You don't have to own a house. You don't have the responsibilities. You don't have the taxes. Is this you don't time have to up deal yet? with broken windows. Put it on your landlord. Love it. All right. Very, very differentiating uh, opinions on that one. Uh, now we have Robert. Youth I versus am risk old averse. age. I only feel safe if my money is in the bank. What should I do if the stock market makes me nervous? So. Following your last comment there, Arlington, I'll let you take it there. Listen, man, it's okay to be risk averse. All you need to do is go in and sit with a broker or an investment banker and say, hey, I'm risk averse. What do you have out here that I could put my money into that's going to allow me to sleep at night? There's no problem with that. Most stock brokers and investment bankers, that's one of the first things they'll ask you. Are you risk averse or are you willing to take risk? Because if you are, these are the different products and mark stocks that we have available for you to invest in. Don't be scared. Put it on the table. It's their fiduciary duty, if I'm not mistaken. Sean Linda. I would, well, I would say this. The creation of mutual funds was to, do exactly, to deal with people exactly like you, to reduce the risk and to reduce the stress. It's, you, know, you can buy an index fund that's spread out a bunch, a bunch of multiple stocks and so forth. So I would say if you're like nervous of the stock market, more go towards the mutual funds um, direction because that will reduce your risk and uh, allow you to sleep at night. Yeah, right. you'll be making no money. <laughs> All right. And our last of our speed round, Jennifer says, should I use extra cash to pay down debt or invest toward retirement? Since you're closer to retirement than me, Sean, I think you should start with this. <laughs> I would say, Jennifer, you have to look at the cost of paying down that debt versus the cost of saving, meaning that if you have very high interest rates on your debt, 
then I would suggest paying it off. But if your interest rate is, you know, is minimal and it's not that much, I would say save for save for your retirement. Or if you can, try to do both. Mr. Forbes, hey, good answer. Short and succinct. I wasn't I wasn't even ready. I thought you were going <laughs> to keep going for another half an hour. All right, Jennifer. Should you use your extra cash to pay down debt? Sean's right. If the cost of your debt is high, then yeah, you need to pay it down. You can't just sit on 26% interest rate and put the money in the bank. And like some people say, if you owe 5000 and you, you have 5000 in the bank, how much money do you actually have? Zero. But on the other side of the equation, you can't be afraid of debt. That's what I try and tell everybody. Debt just needs to be managed. So you kind of have to look at, like Sean says, what are your rates? versus what do you owe? And if your rates are low, yeah, put the money into retirement because you can pay the debt down over time and you need to always be saving for retirement. Love it, guys. I just want to say, two black guys with oh, a good geez. credit family, please, please, I beg you, send us some email and comments about what you think of these responses that we give and your views on them. And if you agree with Sean, which I'm sure most of you do, just let us know so we can keep Arlington in check. Just let us know. Send us a line, quick line, tbgw at gmail.com, and let us know that, hey, we like what you have to say, Sean. In Arlington, take the back seat. Well, I, I, <laughs> I have that responsibility. <laughs> yes, Dion. Can and you I'm announce a winner? I feel like he's Sean, conceding Linda, defeat already. The winner of this episode speed round goes to you. <laughs> I thought you had some ah, Of course. Come on. succinct advice. Dion, if as my great it. Michelle Obama has thing. said, Let's keep it going, as Michelle people, Obama so says, the- when they go low, I go high. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and Arlington, I'll throw it back to you. All right. Sean won. I don't know if it's true, but I'll, I'll, I'll let now, it go. Now, now, now. You won the last two. All right. So Sean won this one. Wait, it's is it three up or is it? Still in my fit. Nah, it sounds like it's three all. Okay, Sean won. I'm grumbling. I jump shot you like Jordan. I <laughs> now, crossed now. over you like Curry. <laughs> I slammed on you like LeBron. Let's get it. Jeez. <laughs> you know what, Dion? Help this man out. Please say <laughs> He's something. Not rubbing it in at all. Um, but moving on, guys. We, as you can see, we enjoyed this show. We love hearing from you. So please keep emailing us your questions at tbgwgc at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Two Black Guys Good Credit. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes to make it easier for others to find us. Like Mofo's Barbecue in Savannah, Georgia. She said, knowledgeable, upbeat financial guidance. Thank you. That's exactly what we are always going for. Well, she said, I listened to my first episode, Black Power, Money Power. She said, what an intro to the podcast. She said, I learned the most astounding statistics about African-American financial trends. Well, thank you, Mofo's Barbecue. We appreciate the love. And I'm Dion, the lady with the history, the stats, and the cold hard facts. And I'm out. Hey, people. Thank you so much for listening. Um, You know, this show was called We've Got Mail. If we've got mail, it came from you. So we tried to answer as many of your questions as we could. I'm Arlington, one half of two black guys with good credit. And you know my tagline. It's the game of life, people. It's wants versus needs. I'm out. Thank you for sending your questions. It was a it was a blast for those that we couldn't get to. Please continue to send in your questions and even email us because regardless, not even if you're not on the air on the show, we do respond to every single email that we get. I'm Sean from Two Black Guys with Good Credit. Your money is your money. Keep it where it belongs in your side pocket. 
Have a wonderful time, podcast family. Talk to you soon. This commercial break is brought to you by Canvas Malibu. Canvas Malibu is a boutique and contemporary art gallery located in Malibu, California. At Canvas Malibu, it starts with art, and their curated offering of shoes, apparel, accessories, and art are a definite must-see. Canvas Malibu is located in the Malibu Country Mart or online at canvasmalibu.com. When you're not opening presents this holiday season, try smashing your way through some tricky chocolate-coated levels on Candy Crush Saga. In between dinner and dessert, switch and match. During one of Uncle Mike's long stories, master the candy. There are thousands of levels to play in the all-time favorite classic match three game. Get that sweet feeling this holiday with Candy Crush Saga. Download it now from the App Store or Google Play for free.